0: And welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined the OG gang of Diane, Lauren, and Paul. <laughs> we are the original gang. No, Javier was. Well, Javier there. was too. We miss I'm Javier. A, I'm him. A He's
1: in Texas or something, right? I have no idea. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got married. I don't know what's going on with Javier. With Tamavi. Yet, nevertheless, we were some of the original gang, so we're back for an encore. Today's topic: We're going to be talking about uh, you know perhaps some experiences that you have had with the church that have maybe not been so positive. Because probably if you hang out around the church for long enough, you've encountered uh, experiences that were not great. Have you ever like had a bad experience
2: with the church, and, and what happened? I had um, when I was in college. I didn't. I won't say which college because you figured out at that point. But um, there was a. The chaplain, the priest. It was a secular college, but we had a um, campus parish. And um, the priest there was unique. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, a few things uh, that were a bit um, unorthodox, let's say. He, at Sunday Mass, he omitted the creed, which I'm not sure if it's mm, Maybe pro- he didn't believe in one God. I, I don't know. I didn't ask. Um, <clears throat> So the, the, there was no kneelers, so people would stand generally during the consecration, which I know is like supposedly the second best option, but some people would kneel on the concrete floor, and he would actually pull them aside and yell at them for that, that they're not respecting the tradition of the parish or the church. So that was interesting. Um, uh, you know, through him, with him, and him, and you know the Holy Spirit, everyone would sing that, hmm. which was unique. Um, so there were several things like that, but it, it really created a pretty negative um, atmosphere in the church, where a lot of people were trying to be more traditional, or at least just follow the rubrics.
0: So, do you think that that caused people to stop going, especially in a college? I can imagine that yeah. some college students are probably looking for any excuse to just
2: throw in the towel. Or yeah, a lot of people went to local par, like the neighborhood parishes. Um, some people, I knew a lot of the Protestants on campus um, through the intervarsity chapter that was there. And there were a lot of Catholics that left because they had really bad experiences with that priest. Hmm. So that was pretty upsetting. That's too bad. Uh, there was a group of kids that were there for a bit that would stand at the back of the church and kneel and say the creed quietly during like prayers of the faithful. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they would do like a little mini protest. resistance. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so it was it was unique. Oh, you keep oh, saying that it, word. <laughs> I don't. Uh, think uh, that sorry, word one means more story. You think so it means. Holy Thursday, he. He would, we would all sit around round, I only went once and never again, and we would all sit around round tables in, the the church was just chairs, so they would take out all the chairs, put in round tables, and then he would start mass and then get to the point of the consecration and then stop, and we would eat dinner. What? Okay. I hope it was like lamb and no, it was filter fish, like we were, you know, having a passive or something. No, it was terrible. It was like this pasta with hot dogs, sliced hot dogs. Yeah. He, he made in like a And then the he would
3: continue the mass after that? What yeah, about Yeah, I, I can't gas? exactly
2: remember what happened, but yeah, he would he would then continue. Holy moly.
3: That is insane.
2: That's like way out there. It's way out there. And he would use these little he'd had these little it's actually kinda of tasty. These little loaves of bread that were in little cast iron things, and that's what he would use, leavened. And that's what he would use for the Eucharist.
0: Uh, That's all I can say. (laughs) Just a sigh.
2: So that's that. Okay. Unique experience. You keep using that word. (laughs) You can say bad experience. (laughs) Um, I don't judge. I'm not a priest. You don't (laughs) judge. It was unpleasant sometimes. Yeah,
0: I can imagine it's kind of awkward. Mm. Because you know what the truth is and somebody that's supposed to be in.
2: But that's where I went. I mean, I didn't change because it's, I don't know, that's the university parish. I don't know. Good for you
0: for standing up and keeping your faith in
2: in that whole thing. I guess.
0: What about you guys?
3: I mean, I guess for me, it's just been more of, uh, I mean, it's kind of like a lack of reverence, I would say, has been uh, discouraging in certain parishes, you know? Like, you go in and... Uh, sometimes it's the parishioners, sometimes it's, like, a combination. Uh, I think, you know, like, it feeds off of, you create this sort of, like, casual vibe. Um, And to me, in those sorts of parishes where there is sort of a lack of reverence for, you know, Jesus in the tabernacle, um, it's really no wonder that, like, 70% of Catholics don't believe in the real real presence. Um, I guess the other thing, too, that's been really disappointing and I mean, this is kind of being picky, but I think it is really important, um, especially for Catholics who are only going, and I mean, you only have to go to Mass on Sunday, um, but if you're only going once a week, right? And uh, and I know that Mass isn't about the homily, it's not about the homily, but good preaching certainly helps. And mm. I think that um, there's a lot of fluff, you know, that I've experienced in, uh, in, in homilies and I just, it does bother me because, like, you think about the people, again, who are, this might be the one, and and granted, like, we all have a responsibility for our spiritual lives and building that and praying and sitting with scripture and all that stuff, but some people are not doing that, right? So this is, like, sort of the one opportunity that these people have maybe once a week, you know, to be fed, with the truth, and a lot of it's just fluff, like, high level. I mean, you could could be sitting, listening to this sermon, and it's like, are we at a Catholic church? Like, what is distinct about what you're saying, you know? Mm. And I think that if people um, were maybe—and there's a way to do it, like, to be convicted of your sins, you know, to remember that, like, we are not gods ourselves and that we— need a savior, um, I think that that's been a huge disappointment for me because I think that there's a lot of topics where, um, you you know, priests just dance around things, and it's like, just come out and say it. Like, say it. Yeah. W- do you care about the salvation of souls or not? Like, what what are we doing here? Hmm. Um. I think that's been the most bothersome. And then, I mean, just lastly, uh, I think sometimes, like, and I understand – you you probably know being a pastor, like you can't uh, cater to everyone and everyone's needs, but um, sometimes just like not, you know, like you want to take charge and organize like a group, you know, a Bible study or something, and then you just come have issues in terms of at certain parishes, not everyone, because some priests are, are fantastic and very opening and you know welcoming but sometimes it's difficult to find the space or like you know you want to use you don't, the feel, space. Supported yeah, you don't that, feel supported yeah you don't feel supported and it's like no you can't use the space it's like really i mean i don't know sure that that can be frustrating you know especially when you're not asking the priest to do it themselves like no i'm gonna i'm gonna do the take the initiative you know organize this um but you're just kind of blocked in that sense so hmm.
1: what about you father joseph
0: well, I remember when I was an altar server, probably 10 or 11 years old, I, I must have done something wrong during mass. I don't even remember what it was. But afterwards, the deacon yelled at me and used language that is not really appropriate for a deacon to use. And I was actually, I was shocked that like I, I didn't know that deacons could curse or that priests could curse. And I never forgot that, you know, and I went home and I told my mom and, you know, God bless my mom. She's like, yeah, you probably deserve that, you know, for whatever you did. I don't even remember what it did, but I guess it did a bad job. But that's one, and the other one that really stands out to me is, so some of you know that I actually don't drink alcohol, and the reason why I don't drink alcohol is because when I was a seminarian, just graduated high school, about ready to go into seminary, I was with all of the other seminarians uh, from the Archdiocese of Baltimore, and we're at their seminary retreat, and the guys were getting blasted out of their minds every night, and just acting the most ridiculous, I mean, they they looked so stupid, I mean, telling dirty jokes, and just like, and I looked at that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I never ever want to look like that. You know, and you
1: were much younger at the time. I was then,
0: 17 right? at the time, you know. and
1: Highly influential, like on you, potentially. Yeah, like
0: your... I wanted to be holy, and I saw all these drunk seminarians. I'm like, right. where's the holiness here, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So it scandalized me, like in the truest sense of the word.
1: And then how about how you ended up here in our diocese?
0: That's a topic for another time.
2: <laughs> I would say that I haven't had, a lot of people have had negative experiences either in confession or just dealing with, priests or, you know, administrative items, and it really turns them off, or they get really affected by the news of the scandals that ha- have happened over time. And I, I don't know, I haven't had anything particularly negative. It's been...
0: Well, that's good to hear.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've heard stories and have been tertiary related, like a story I just told about my unique college experience. <laughs> um, but those things weren't, they weren't negative in the sense that I was personally affected by it, I yeah. guess to some extent, but... Well, that's good. Not really, because you
0: know, this year, twenty twenty two, has been twenty years since the the revelations of the sexual abuse scandal came out, and mm-hmm. what four years since the whole McCarrick thing went down, and and yeah. I know that shook the faith of a lot of people. How did how did that impact you guys?
1: What is the McCarrick thing?
0: Oh, I guess it didn't impact you.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> Cardinal McCarrick was one of the most influential uh, cardinals in the Catholic Church, and he got defrocked in t- two thousand eighteen because it was found out that he was living a double life, and oh. you know abusing both boys it and was, seminarians. It was really, it was it was horrible, horrendous. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I remember Father Andy, who we've mentioned quite a few times on this, he came out and he had a pretty scathing homily that after that came out. And I remember him saying that usually with the church, I'm a company man, but I'm not a company man today. And he, wow. that's what he said. I'm, I'll never forget that. Yeah. I was like, okay, there's, well... It's a good parish that we had. But uh yeah. Um but it was it was reassuring. That's good. So I kept going.
0: I guess like 20 years ago, were you even old enough to like kind of it's 12 to know what was going on? Yeah. I mean did did that shake your faith? I mean did you like look at the priest differently that, after I mean, that? I was or? only
2: 12, I don't know. I was an altar star. I never looked at it. I had a great relationship with my priest growing up. Oh, that's so good. I don't know. I never, I never even thought about it. I am hmm. like, oh, that's terrible for those people. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, I definitely was not aware at that age, you know, I I had no idea until recently, sort of some of the stuff that's happened to people. And I mean, you definitely can't, um, don't want to dismiss any of that, because certainly, like, those wounds have uh, lasting effects on sort of how people, unfortunately, perceive the church, you know, because of people's uh, actions in the church, people that they're supposed to be able to trust, and um, yeah, it's it's really sad what's that, what that's done.
0: It is said. I will say though, I, I am amazed. I, I guess because it's been twenty years, how how it's. I don't want to say people are over it because you never get you know. But I think so many of the lay people have not don't like that's not the first thought, you know, when they think about the church or they think about priesthood, which is good.
3: Yeah.
0: But I oh don't, I don't
1: know. people make lots of jokes about priests. Oh yeah, do they? Yeah.
0: I guess yeah. they don't make with it with my face, boys, so I don't. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not that's irate, very
1: common. Not
2: good. Yeah. Really, still. Yeah, I mean, I know Joe Rogan brings it up frequently on his podcast. Really? Yeah.
0: Pretty negatively, I'm sure. Negatively. Wow.
1: As uh, tragic as that is, which it truly is, I also just find it to be incredibly disappointing uh, that there were cover-ups and moving priests around. Right. You know, like it's one thing if there's a bad person or several bad people, lots of bad people, but then other people covering for those people. But you don't just see that in the Catholic Church, right? We saw it with the Nasser and the gymnasts at the University of Michigan. Right. It had to be going on at Penn State, yeah. which I heard was is much bigger and ha- had way more people involved than whatever story was pushed out. So, unfortunately, like yeah, evil I mean, the, is the real. Public evil school exists. system,
0: and I mean the Southern Baptists are going through it right now. Yeah, mm, kind of having their own reckoning. you know, which yeah. is a sad reality. It's just you know, first of all. I mean, human nature being what it is, everyone's flawed. Right. But but also, you know, Satan hates the church, and so Satan's going to try even harder to take the church down than the public school system, you know?
1: And I think you see that in the coverage of any scandal in the church. I think it's really broadcast out to the world yeah, and uh, intentionally used to try to pull people away from the church, from the faith.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the second part of that's a shame. I think the first part's not surprising because as it— as members of the church, we are held to a higher standard.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: that's true. Now, that standard may, you may say that that standard should be held amongst society, but that doesn't change the fact that society holds mm. holds us at a higher standard.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, if I see a regular person drunk, it doesn't shock me nearly as much as seeing a priest drunk. Yeah, yeah or a sure. Christian drunk. I mean, mm. well, I mean, one of the things that a lot of people talk about the church right
2: now is that it's just not very welcoming. Have you found that to be the case? Depends on what you mean by welcoming. You don't get a cup of coffee when you walk in, you know, and like eight people surround you.
0: Well, uh, by by contrast, one weekend when my parents were away, when I was in high school, I decided that I was going to go to a Protestant church. I went to I went to mass the, that week on a Saturday night, but Sunday morning I was like, I just want to see what it's like. And I walked in and they're like, "Welcome. We're so glad you're here. What's your name?" You know, and I was like, I was like, "Whoa, I've never experienced this at a Catholic church, you know, people actually excited to see me." Mm. You know, and, and afterwards the pastor came up, "Oh, you know, come back." And it helps that there's only 100 people in that church. So like the pastor knows when there's someone new cuz yeah, it's sure. kind of obvious, you know, but but like that's what a lot of people say. I was like, well, you know, we're not I don't I feel very anonymous in church. I don't feel welcome. It's not a community.
1: I feel like church would be more like, you know, when you're in a college course and you're expected to do the reading ahead of time, like you have to kind of prepare yourself and know what is happening to understand. And you're like entering into the mass, which is holy and reverent and we're connecting with heaven, right? It's not like, Hey Diane, how's it going? Welcome. Come sit next to me. It's not the place for that. But if you continue to go, you will have those opportunities, right? Because parishes often do social things, the donuts after, or, or whatever. Like, you know, that will happen, but it'll take time. It's not going to be on your first meeting or your first time going.
2: It is incumbent upon the parish community, maybe not on Sunday Mass, but, or daily Mass, whatever, not around Mass, but it is incumbent upon the parish community to create community outside of Mass. There's lots of opportunities for that, and some parishes don't have it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What I've, what I've always just found so ironic, though, is that when we do try to create community, very few people show up.
1: So I don't know about that. I well, think it well, yeah. varies. It depends on what. Yeah. Because there, at least here in Stanford, there are so many things. There are so many things happening. And no matter what you do, like anything that you start new, you can't expect to be like, I don't know, this like great success the first time you do it. Things do take time to develop. And like Diane and I have been in this women's group since COVID, you know, so two years now and started out as a small core and it, there really wasn't much going on during COVID and then things changed. You know, I've stopped going, Diana stopped going, but this community of women still exists and new people have come in and it has grown. And I know people are spreading it. And now like tomorrow night, they're planning to just meet up just because, because they're not currently in um, a study. Um, but Again, it's like one person had an initiative to, to learn something and learn it with others. It was small, and it's continued to last, and it's grown, you know?
0: Well, that's a big piece is that someone needs to take the initiative because it's easy to say the church is not welcoming. Well, have you volunteered yourself to do mm, community events? And, yeah.
1: and all of us do so much, frankly, sitting here at this table.
0: I
2: do less than the other two. Yeah, Paul does, Paul's not pulling his weight. <laughs> not anymore. I'm I'm retiring.
3: But but I get what Going you're saying on my about when, you know, people don't show up to things. Because, I mean, in 2018 started Catholic Adventures, right? And, and that was a young adult group here in Stanford. And it's kind of evolved over the years to emerge into other things. But some of our events, I mean, we did, like, we persevered, right? So I think that was the key. Um, obviously, did you, we didn't feel... Did you
0: get discouraged?
3: Yeah, at times, because it, it, was a, it was a lot of effort. We planned events pretty much every weekend, and mm-hmm. they were kind of intense. You know, like, I'd put together a scavenger hunt throughout Stanford. Like, that takes a lot of effort. Um, I was but, on
0: that one. That was fun. But people fun. really...
3: A lot of people <laughs> did show up for that one. Um, but, yeah, sometimes... Sometimes, yeah, you know, people just wouldn't show up. So it was... You just never know who's, who's actually going to come. And you know, when you're, when you're doing a lot of different things for the church and then you have your like full-time job on top of it, sometimes it can be a little bit disappointing. But I think you have to understand like with Lauren and our, our women's group, it was, and it was the same thing with Catholic Adventures. One week we might have a few people, the next week we have a, a ton of people. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's, there's definitely at least where we live, we're very blessed to have lots of opportunity for community.
2: Yeah. I think that what has been great about at least in Stanford and some of the surrounding towns is the weekly adoration that certain churches hold. I think that that's created a great platform w- for people to do things around that, like the women's group, right? They meet yep. beforehand um, mm-hmm. and c four c meets on Wednesdays and around different adorations throughout the state. And that seems to be a great um, springboard for bringing people together. Um, and a lot of uh, talked to some priests who've started it and they've said, well, well, the worst case scenario is that I pray a holy hour.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yes. Like even if it's no, the worst, case, if, that's a, that's no a great, that's a
2: great thing. Yeah, right. So, uh, so I, you know, I, I think that that has to be a little bit of mentality among the clergy as well.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. very true.
3: Yeah, and, true. and I mean, community is certainly important. You know, like when you're. Uh, running the race towards hopefully eternal salvation and life in heaven, like you want to be running with people who are kind of have that same goal and are running in the same direction, you know? Because I feel like if you don't find in sort of intentional community, like you're very much, whether or not, and no matter how strong you are, like you are influenced by the people that you surround yourself with. So um, yeah. it's, it's probably to everyone's benefit to like try to find people who are, you know, striving for st- sainthood.
0: I think that's a great point because... If you if the church does if you feel like the church has let you down whether it's you know a priest who did a bad thing or you know fellow parishioners gossiped about you behind whatever it is you just have to keep searching and you will find a community that will you'll fit into
3: yeah and to understand too that like I don't know as I've progressed on my spiritual journey I just realize like my own weakness and sinfulness you know and that like nobody's perfect so um, as much as it's like it's very easy to point fingers at other people and like you know um, Yeah, try to, like, point out everything that's wrong, but at the same time, like, everyone is imperfect, so.
0: So, I was reading a study recently that young adults, uh, I mean, young adults as a whole distrust institutions, like, Honestly, they distrust the police. They distrust the presidency, the Congress. They distrust the postal service. <laughs> 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 but and they distrust, of course, institutional religion. You know why? I mean, you guys are obviously are pretty much an exception to that. Who love the church and who are faithful to the church. And I don't know have you ever like thought about leaving the church, even when you were younger, or maybe not interconnected? or heck no, no,
1: nope,
0: no,
3: yeah, <laughs> never, <laughs> that never, thought never crossed my mind. Wow, it, never t- would it did ever. cross
0: my mind. Did it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But when you are in high school, you were saying, right? In high school and even after, because they're, I have, I've kind of always had a foot in the Protestant world in many respects, and, and they seem to do a lot of things really well. The community, the faith, the, you know, the prayer that's so intense. and
1: They get a few things wrong.
0: Oh, totally. Mm. And they're well, like so what stubborn Matt, about Matt, it. Like
2: what Matt Fred says, Protestants, we love you. Keep being awesome, but we really want you to be Catholic.
0: Yeah, and take all that good stuff and you know, yeah, bring it yeah. bring it over.
3: Well yeah, and Jesus like it he makes it very clear if you read scripture that like he wants us to worship him in a certain way, you know? Like sort of the um yeah, just just like in the Old Testament, all the laws, right? Like he like, those were particular, obviously, to the people at the time, but, like, he wanted it done in a certain way, and it was, like, you don't get to pick and choose how you want to do it, and so, I don't know. I feel like that's what the issue is with a lot of people who don't like this institutional church or whatever, because they want to, like, they're basically making themselves gods. They're saying, like, well, you know, I'm gonna just be spiritual and do my own thing. Well, no, Christ established a church, and he asked you, like, he... (laughs) He's the one who established the Mass, and he wants you to worship him in the Mass. So you should go to Mass, and you should be part of the church that he established, and stop making yourself, you know, Jesus.
0: I, I of course, agree with you a thousand percent, but I can hear in my own head, you know, what a young adult, a modern young adult would say about that. What
3: would they say? Well,
0: they'd say, well, but I mean, like, truth, truth is not a value that most young adults really value. Right, they kind of value the the experiential. Like, it's not feeding me. I'm not. I'm not experiencing the warmth, of the French. You know, they just want that feel. They, and I hate to say, you know, leave it to the level of feelings. But you know, ultimately, it's kind of like, what is what is the church giving to me?
1: Exactly, I and mean, everything's about my truth. Well, right. I think this. I want to worship this way. I want to be friends with the trees like, whatever <laughs> are you a Laura and X? it's all it's all accepted i don't know i it's so, I think so it's all that must be tough to mislead people but that and... must be
0: tough when you have conversations with other young adults who have that
2: mentality right it's this like you know, feelings based or yeah i mean most of the young adults that i that are not in the catholic community that i know they just don't concern themselves so it's just... they're not looking for a religion Really? They're they're just they're uh, the Robert Baron nuns or whatever. Yeah. N O N E S, not N O E S. I find N U N S.
1: It's pretty easy for me, I think, to pick up on cues, like, I don't know. I I wouldn't say that I'm like totally open that I'm a Catholic, but definitely my friends and my non-Catholic friends know it at this point because they've known it for a long time. But eventually things come up because I'll just share what I'm doing like eventually you know with people that i work with so they'll understand that i am a practicing catholic and i do catholic things so you know it becomes evident and it's just it becomes really obvious like some people you can just tell they are interested to talk to me or they'll mm. open up or and other people just close up right away they they the wall is up they don't want to go anywhere near me or near the topic yeah so it's it's very easy to read and then um that helps to know like where to go. Like, oh, this is someone I can talk to. Like maybe something will come up and usually opportunities present themselves or for another person, it's much deeper and what would take like a lot of trust and time and build a relationship first.
0: So if you have a friend though, that says, you know, I, I'm totally into like the whole Jesus thing. I love Jesus, but I don't believe in a church. And what's your response to that? Cause that's silly.
3: Read the no. Bible. That's silly, read the Bible. Yeah, and, to, and oh, you can say badly. Jesus
1: established his church while he was living. Yeah. And I, it still lives on today. It's the Catholic Church. Do you want to be in it or not? And then <laughs> I mean, people it, this conversation goes in so many different directions, you know. So it, it really can go anywhere from there.
2: Yeah. L- Lauren and I actually we had a discussion with a I don't know, non-denominational evangelical Christian at the wedding. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And so he was. So he said, "Well, that I don't... was
1: actually great. It was a great. See, conversation. that was an open person. Yeah,
2: very open. Um, so what, <laughs> yeah, what was the, what was the gist of it?
1: And he ended up revealing a lot to us. And, and very we short were amount of time. Know. And we met it's like crazy. the afternoon, like in the little drink time before the reception starts. And that was very cordial. And then by I don't know after we were dancing for a bit."
2: He opened up. Yeah. In anyway. Veritas. And so he said something that was interesting, and I think I had a good response, although I had questioned it. He says, I don't think salvation is is um, restricted to the Catholic Church. And I was like, hmm, how do I answer this brilliantly? I said, well, well, no, it's an abundance in the Catholic Church. Oh, I like that. Right? Because well, you're saved because of the Catholic Church, and then because I'm snarky, I said, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's not me. And that Jesus, won over tons Jesus. of people, yeah. No, he left. <laughs> It was a wedding. Yeah, that's true. I we were a good time, not completely sober. <laughs> <laughs> not He's, drunk. As you should be, you
1: know. He, though, has a lot of pain. Yeah, there was a lot he of He opened up a little bit about that. So, mm. again, like I said, you I can typically at least, like, get a sense. And in those conversations, I just want to show the support and love, like, and mercy that has. I God go into has.
2: apologetics, which isn't always useful.
1: Yeah, just so they feel some kind of consolation. Like this isn't um, these Catholics like, were kind a scary barrier, mm-hmm. even yeah. to just try to talk to God a little bit more. I mean, he was someone that believed, so that's a little bit different. Yeah. But you can He's just see guy. people have their walls up; they're very tentative. A lot of people don't want to face their own death. That's that's a, a given. So many of these people that don't have any God or faith, they're so uncomfortable at that topic. So that one's actually kind of fun if you just ask them. Yeah. So what do you think about your own death? No, like. <laughs> this I mean, time i come on the wedding. Honestly,
2: I've I've posed that and I literally get well, I die, that's it.
1: Yeah. Ooh, they're completely comfortable. Nothing happens after, and it's like nope. How could you be comfortable with that? Not I'd, correct.
2: I don't know because they're twenty eight. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I mean I would be yeah
0: either either a total hedonist or just or kill myself.
2: I guess if you're a complete nun n o n e and you truly believe that, then maybe in some weird way that's comforting because mm-hmm. if there's nothing then you don't go to hell true right true you may not go to heaven there may not be no heaven but also there may not be no he- so what's the point yeah so there might be some comfort in that actually and i mean
0: what, what would they say the point of life is then
2: to have happiness
0: just happiness here,
2: happiness here dopamine i heard yeah.
1: to also uh like
2: procreate I've not That was a response that. I got keep, keep from, from an atheist. Going. Yeah, really? Pass
1: on my, yeah.
2: Most of the people I know they don't want kids. He also said
1: he doesn't believe in God because there's no evidence for God. Um, and I, think I don't I, know. The I universe? think I like laughed out loud. I was <laughs> like, "What? Are you serious? There's an abundance of evidence."
0: Yeah, I I had a, a very dear friend who was an atheist, and and I asked him that question: "What's the point of life?" And he says, "Well, to make the world a better place." So later on, we were backpacking out and. In, in, Glacier national park a couple days later you know we're having this conversation and he had to adopt um i I guess he fought if fostered or adopted his niece and nephew from his wife's side because they were like horribly horribly abused at home like like the little girl had been raped at 10 years old like awful awful stuff and um and so both of them came with severe psychological trauma severe uh needs like like special needs and all kinds of stuff and they'd been you know fostering this this these two kids for like four or five years and and it was a real struggle and I kind of walked with them through that struggle for many years and um so I I asked him like it was like if you had to do it again would you have accepted these kids into your life and he said I don't think so it's been too much it's been too much but I thought wait a second you just said that the point of life is to make the world a better place and here's this opportunity but you're not willing to make the sacrifice necessary to make the world a better place and I thought that's that was kind of an interesting yeah I'll make the world a better place as long as it doesn't inconvenience me
2: Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah,
0: that's on it.
1: my terms. What makes me feel good? Yeah, what I do. That also doesn't burden me too much, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. That's just, wow. This conversation has gone way, <laughs> way off topic. Yeah, but worth worth discussing definitely.
2: Oh yeah, we were talking about how the churches let you down. Yeah. Well, oh well.
0: <laughs> so what what would you say in, as the, in the last uh, minute here? Like if somebody. Is has been like hurt by what you know something the priest has said or done or, and, and I hate to put it all on the priest because really like sometimes like it's just that person sitting in front of the pew in the pew who's like, man you stink and then you, you leave the church or whatever you know. What, what would you say to somebody that's been hurt by the church? Just come back. I don't know if that would draw anyone back.
1: I would say uh, work on your relationship with Jesus. Just spend time with him.
0: Do you think he, Jesus will draw those back? Well,
1: we know that he's in the church. We know that he's in adoration. We know that he's in the sacraments, right? He's in the Eucharist. So the closer someone gets to Jesus and if they either have like a mind block or a heart block, um, they would hopefully grow in that desire and seek him out and then find him in the church and spend more time with him there Yeah, and be able to come back. 'Cause like we we all know, right? Like our faith is not dead. We're not just going there to listen to Father Joseph, as great of a preacher as he is. Jesus is truly present. Like this is what we have that the Protestants don't. It's so amazing, you know, and like most of the world doesn't know this. Yeah. Amen to that.
3: Yeah, and I mean, the church is full of sinners, just like every other organization on earth. So, I mean, it shouldn't it shouldn't really shock people. I know that some of these things are horrible. I'm not trying to downplay, you know, like the sexual abuse and all that. But the church is full of sinners. That doesn't make the church, you know, like it's it doesn't change the fact that the church was instituted by Christ and um, is our means to, I mean, the sacraments that the church offers are, you know, like we know that we're receiving grace right to grow in our love of Christ and uh, you know food for the journey and stuff so we have that assurance that you just don't have outside of the church
0: yeah well praise God because that's I'll say you know in in speaking with people that have left the church a lot of times they can't have that relationship with Jesus because it's been so entwined with the church when the church hurts them it's almost as if Jesus is hurting them rejecting them their whole vision of God is, is like shattered so it takes a long time but by God's grace, it is possible to be built. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Restless. You can find it on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time.